welcome back. We've got Anton from Holy Held. This hello, hello, crazy, this crazy, crazy product that keeps coming across my uh, feed. So he's obviously doing something well. <laughs> but Anton, how's it going? Um, it's going good. It's busy. Um, it is exciting time for us. Um, there's uh, something I can say up front is that um, I'm really glad that. Uh, whatever difficulties, right, as founders, as, as teams uh, that you have um, internally, uh, you know, whether that's engineering, whether that's, uh, you know, any or um, uh, ops, etc. Um, if that's not seen outside, I think then we are probably doing some good job. And, uh, and then that's, that's our goal. So, um, you know, we'll have to keep appearing on your timeline until you're too annoyed <laughs> and, you know, you'll mute us. Um, but that's the goal, yeah. No, I'd rather see you guys on the on the old timeline than the, the next Pepe Shitcoin ten thousand. So um, yeah, it's it's welcomed if anything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so um Anton, just before we kind of get into the product and stuff, can can you just give us a bit of background on, on yourself and what your kind of role is at Holy Held and just to kind of set the scene of how you've kind of got to this point in time. Oh um so I think I got into um, Web3. Uh, back in 2017, um, if we can call this waves, right? So first wave 2013-14, the second wave 2017-18, and then the third wave 2020-2021. Uh, so I've been in the second wave, if I can um, say that this way. Um, my my background is um, somewhere in the middle, software and finance. Um, and um, since ever I remember myself, um, I've been always interested in how the traditional finance world works how traditional financial systems work and how to make them better. And um, the whole idea of um, Holy Health um, was based on the beliefs and problems and issues that we um, experienced ourselves, that we kept on um, seeing um, within our community over and over again. And uh, at some point of time, we just decided that, um, that there's a chance that um, we can do things better. And uh, that's how um, Holy Hell was formed, uh, was basically an idea is um, we need to do better. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. I, I, love, I love when people build stuff out of their own personal bugbear or like a necessity that they'd love to see in life. It's, it's much better than seeing, particularly in this space, we obviously get an awful lot of clones <laughs> and just people. What, what I also see is people building solutions to problems that don't exist <laughs> so I'm, I, I, it's always refreshing to see um founders and builders come out with something that's like a necessity a ne necessary part of um this industry that hasn't been kind of um built yet i suppose um i think um when it comes to financial um products uh, and aspects in crypto world um i think we as an industry as community together uh, tried quite a lot of different um um to solve the same problem, but from different angles. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it is for me personally hard to build a product that you uh, don't want to use yourself. Um, as a you know, as a perfectionist, right, or as a, as a founder, you always want uh, to have the better product. You want to service your customers better, and uh, I think it's really hard to do when you uh, you don't use your own product. And uh, that's, that's why, yes, it was, uh, it was indeed um, the issue that we had personally and we saw response from um, other market players that uh, that's definitely something that we want, we need this. And uh, I think the rest is the history, right, of like how painfully or not, um, you know, with uh, trials and errors and uh, different approaches and, uh, you know, new different approaches, 
um, we've uh, we formed the solution that uh, that we currently have. Mm. Particularly when you're trying to get your product out there in, in front of people. Um, I used to have like in another life, in a previous life, I used to have a quite a high ticket um, biotech sales job. Um, but going into meetings, trying to shift like a ridiculous item in the biotech sector that I kind of knew in the back of my mind, yeah, it's it's good, it's useful, but trying to peddle something that I have absolutely no passion or <laughs> real kind of tangibility to whatsoever. It's so hard to get an authentic and genuine picture across with stuff like that. But I suppose when you're working on something that you truly believe in and it's such an easy sell to people, which surely held in my opinion is, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in a sec, but um, that, that's, 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 that's a dream why... in and of itself. Uh, that's why I don't work, right? It's, uh, it's a hobby. Um, you, you know, yeah, I, I think um, I totally agree with your point. Obviously, um, I think it's a luxury when you can uh, build or work on a product that you love yourself and you want to use yourself. Um, uh, obviously, sometimes it's not possible, but um, we do have this luxury and uh, I really enjoy it. And um, that's why I really want to push uh, the best for, for our users so that when, when you're using Holy Health, um, you know that you are special to us. Um, and, uh, and I really want to uh, make sure that that remains going forward as we scale, no matter how many people we um, onboard, how many customers we have, um, every one of you customers um, is, is special to us. Love that. So um, should we get to it? Can you give us, um, you might touch upon it a little bit there, but what was... What's been the kind of origin story of Holy Held? And I suppose within that kind of dialogue, you can bring up what the product is and um, like the kind of the kind of mission, I suppose, around around the product. Um, yeah. So um, to summarize, what uh, what Holy Held is, um, Holy Held is um, a crypto debit card with IBAN that you manage uh, through your non custodial wallet. Um, you connect your non-custodial wallet. So we are not a wallet. Uh, you cannot import a seed phrase to us. We don't generate the seed phrase for you. Um, you use the wallet that you trust that you want to use. You connect your wallet, you order the card, and you top up your card or you know IBAN um, straight from your non-custodial wallet. You can do that across six different chains. Um, so Ethereum mainnet, obviously, uh, L2s, like. Uh, Polygon, uh, like Arbitrum, Optimism. We also have Avalanche and Gnosis support and um, we'll work uh, towards expanding to more networks. Uh, but uh, that was uh, the very simple mission and goal is that we as an industry, we created a lot of amazing uh, financial primitives uh, from, uh, from lending to money streaming to um, building new primitives that don't even exist in the, in the traditional financial world. Um, but to me, it always felt that those primitives exist in an echo chamber, that uh, it's some sort of a sandbox um, that you can get in and it's, um, it gets easier over time. Um, but uh, you can play and have all this freedom when you play within the sandbox. But then in order to get out, um, you sort of need to go through loops and hoops and you have to use multiple products, multiple, multiple different um, uh, protocols or multiple different services, etc. And um, that was the goal, is to make sure that um, DeFi 
doesn't feel like a sandbox that um, we can you can be a, a crypto anarchist or you can be a conservative person or you can be a, a realist um, the fact is is that right now as of right now um, every one of us uh, in crypto uh, power users daily users we still need fiat uh, we need fiat to pay for our rent we need fiat to cover our um, life expenses you know kids expenses school expenses whatever it is and um, then it was the question is okay how can I enable myself as a, um, as a Web3 power user to utilize all the power that we have and um, put it into action into the real world? And that's how, um, that's how Holy Hill was formed. Um, so it is the idea that I am a power user and I uh, trust and I um, want to self-custody my funds. And at the same time, I want to have full access to um, the, call it the regular world uh, options and activities and the infrastructure that it already provides. Yeah, I love that. So, so say if someone like me, I I, I travel a lot. Um, I'm always different parts of the world, and obviously have um, my UK accounts and things like that still set up. But primarily, a lot of a lot of my kind of assets are, well, <laughs> the vast majority of my assets are, are on chain. I like to keep self custody, particularly after everything that's happened over the past eighteen months, and even even before that. I think it's best practice, regardless. Um, so what does what does the user flow look like for for me as I'm as I'm signing up um, from the point of sign up to the point of me going to pick up a morning coffee using Holy Held in the morning? Um, so to answer that, I think um, this will be very close to majority of us crypto users uh, that do want um, to keep most of your assets in, in crypto. Um, what's what's the typical flow? For example, even if you don't touch Holy Hell, typically it is this: you have your money on your wallet or multiple wallets or uh, you know cold wallet, hot wallet, doesn't matter. And when you want um, a specific amount to spend, then you prepare that amount, you um, go to an exchange or whatever, you uh, cash it out, and you spend it. And then you go again, right? So you reload your bank balance, and you know again and again and again. But it's not—it's um, not that you keep um, majority of the money in a bank account. And um, then we wanted to replicate this experience. So what you do is you connect your wallet. Um, uh, we have iOS and Android apps, and also native web app. So you connect your wallet, um, you sign up, you order a card, and then when you want to top up your card. Um, all you need to do is um, you specify the network, um, you specify the amount, and uh, you execute the transaction in your wallet. So the experience is, um, is exactly like any DAP um, like that you do, right? So any DAP or almost any DAP has two buttons, deposit, withdraw, right? You, and then everything else is the logic on top of it. And uh, the same thing for us. You connect your wallet to the, uh, you know, to the app, you select the amount that you want to top up your card with, and you sign the transaction and it all happens on chain. Um, and we are very focused on um, security and then self-custody. And um, what uh, probably one of the unique features um, that we have um, across all other things is that our smart contracts have uh, the enforced um, uh, allowance protection. What it means is that um, you can only approve the specific amount uh, of tokens for the transaction that you want. So you want to top up your card for 1,000 USDC, uh, you approve uh, 1,000 USDC. Uh, you cannot approve more or less, and it's enforced on a contract level, meaning that after you make the transaction, um, you have zero allowance exposure to the contract. Um, we are very hard believers on self-custody, and we go this extra mile to make sure that 
um, your money is your money and there's no way um, that we can get access to your money. That's, um, that's, that's how we roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So what's, so what's, hap- what's happening at that point of transaction then? Let's say I've topped up, I don't know, I've given myself a, a weekly allowance of, I don't know, $1,000 or whatever, and I'm just going about my day. Um, $1,000 has been approved in USDC. Um, so what's happening at that point of transaction? Say I'm purchasing a coffee or paying for rent or something like that. So when you, um, when you top up your card, um, you specify that amount, uh, the transaction goes through. Um, and what happens then is your, um, your card is credited with that uh, equivalent amount of, uh, of fiat money and you can spend it. And uh, you can spend it anywhere where MasterCard is accepted or if you want to send a SEPA transaction, um, you can also do that and you can send uh, a SEPA transaction to anywhere SEPAs are accepted. Um, it's, um, I would say it, it, it covers uh, most, if not all, of um, our um, daily life use cases. So you want to go and buy coffee or some grocery, um, you just tap your card, um, you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever it is. You want to pay for your rent to your landlord, um, well, you just send them the bank transfer. Um, and uh, all of that is from your Web3 wallet, which you control, which only you have keys to, um, and uh, where you execute the transaction and you have this full control of um, how much money you, um, you want to spend. Um, so that's, that's that. Um, we, have, we have lots of other cool things, um, but we can, we can cover that later. Uh, I think that's the main use case is that to be able to spend your money um, and to have full access of Web3 um, optionality and uh, features um, in the real world. Hmm. That makes sense. So what, um, what are the supported assets and chains currently? So six chains, um, Ethereum, Polygon, uh, Arbitrum, Optimism, Gnosis, and Avalanche. And uh, we are working towards supporting more networks. Um, so, so far it is EVM networks um, and uh, we have um, two more networks coming up um, in this EVM world um, and then and then we'll probably expand also to non-EVM chains but that's uh, that's a bit ahead so obviously no timeline um, no ETAs um, but uh, the ultimate goal is to support um, every chain um, where users do use it for um, whatever reason and uh, and then we just facilitate that um, technical um, capability um, and, um, you know, speaking of assets, that's, uh, I think that's the beauty of um, O-Chain composability uh, because you can now go on uh, Uniswap. You can go to one inch uh, or use zero X or any other network and have their own DEXs. And, uh, and these smart contracts, uh, because these are literally smart contracts, they allow you to swap different assets or play within the sandbox. And uh, that's essentially the power of Polyhealth because of that composability. Um, you can use other protocols from same wallet, right? And um, have, uh, have, well, with a star, right? With a little star, um, all that exposure to, um, to all these Web3 protocols. So on us, the critical mission and part there is to support as many networks because that Web3 composability comes um, out of the box. Yeah, that makes, that makes an awful lot of sense. That's really, really cool. So what, from, so, Let's say someone's coming in with kind of an untrained eye. They might have mainly operated on a centralized exchange and they got their hands on a, I don't know, a Binance card or a crypto.com card. Um, obviously, aside from 
um, self-custody. Um, what, what other avenues are you guys have in place now or pursuing to kind of differentiate yourselves from, you know, these centralized um, card providers in the, in the crypto space? So uh, indeed, uh, self-custody is a very strong aspect and it creates a completely different um, approach uh, because you do not need that intermediary step of, uh, hey, here's the deposit address, send us your money, uh, we'll custody it for you, and then you can cash out when you want. Um, so it's a, it's a very different mindset. But uh, in addition to that, one of, the, one of the interesting features that we provide is something called uh, Holy Tags. And uh, the idea is very simple. Um, we, we all use uh, Twitter, or most of us use Twitter, um, or Telegram, um, or pretty much almost any other app, and it has an ID. Um, so an ID is something public, um, and it, it just, it's a reference to, uh, to your account. And uh, Holy Tag is exactly that. Um, you create a Holy Tag um, with uh, your wallet. So it's a, it's a one-way connection, and uh, it doesn't expose your wallet. Um, we're using some, um, you know, a bit of a bit of zk magic there. But ultimately, when you sign um, a holy tag with your wallet, it creates uh, this public tag that you can share uh, with everyone else, and um, it doesn't it doesn't connect backwards to your uh, wallet publicly. And what it means is that if you want uh, your friends to um, to pay you, for example, you went out for a beer or a dinner, and you want to split that bill, um, you can just give your friends um, your holy tag. And they can pay you in crypto, and oh. you, uh, if you accept it, so you have two options as a receiver: decline it or accept it. And if you accept it, you just sign uh, sign the transaction, so you don't even pay gas. You sign the transaction, and you'll get money on your card. Um, so you get fiat on the card. Um, so that's um, that's a very neat use case for all of our crypto natives, um, which uh, allows you to not expose your wallet address or not expose your bank uh, details, um, but still uh, get paid from your um, you know, crypto friends or family. And it goes yeah, the other way around. Yeah, that's great. So um, with just mentioning on that, on that in initial transfer, so where is there, is there an initial gas fee to, to um, onboard to Holy Held or is it subsidized by you guys? Like where's, is there a fee? in kind of onboarding with you guys or how does that look for the, from a user perspective? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, I think especially now with uh, all the meme coins that are popular, the gas, um, the gas is pretty yeah, high. Uh, oh yeah. Um, and uh, of course, so that's, that's the limitation of on-chain transactions um, because uh, in, in order to do that top up, um, you, you need to execute the transaction. So it needs to go through, you know, on-chain. What it means, uh, what it means, is that yes, you need to pay the gas. Um, that's why L2s are more helpful. Um, the gas is still elevated, so it's more expensive. I think um, if you were an early user of Arbitrum, you saw you know a swap transaction of you know of, uh, some cents, and now it's dollars. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a you know it's a big increase. Uh, but uh, but yes, so uh, the downside of us not custodying your crypto and uh, you controlling your crypto all the time. It is the gas. Um, what we are looking for, um, a very neat function, and uh, I would say, you know, it's, it's coming shortly, um, is gasless transactions. Uh, still full self-custody, but on L2s, um, you will have an option to sign uh, a transaction instead of executing it. Um, what it would mean is um, on L2s, 
you don't even need to have the gas in your wallet. So you don't, for example, if you're using Arbitrum or Optimism, you will not need ETH on that wallet to execute the transaction, um, which I think would be the next level of um, the convenience that um, these self-custody solutions can provide. And um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Um, as to L1, so as to uh, Ethereum mainnet, um, y you know, it's a joke, obviously, but yeah, we should uh, we should call Vitalik's manager and you know tell him to lower the gas. <laughs> is is the gasless transactions through Gelato? Uh, no, no. So we have uh, we have our own solution, um, and, oh, and I really like that. The, the market is coming up with uh, a, a same uh, same concept, right? Gasless transactions, but many different ways. So right now, there's probably two major approaches. One is uh, through proxies. So there's a proxy contract that uh, serves as a gas tank. So you can pay that um, you know gas transaction on the behalf of the user from some uh, other proxy contract. And uh, the second approach is um, account abstraction. So smart wallets. Um, that's mm -hmm. uh, that's a different way. Um, and uh, we are going now with more battle-tested approach. Um, I, I am a hard believer in account obstruction, but I believe that it's also still a bit early. And uh, in order to get this full composability within all the DeFi, um, EOA wallets are so far at this moment are still um, easier, safer, and uh, more trusted approach. But that will change, of course. And that when it will change, uh, you know, we'll be there to support that as well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important, particularly um, at scale to kind of remove that barrier to entry for newer, fresher market participants that might be kind of coming on chain for the first time. I know even with things like the Uniswap app, that uh, the Uniswap wallet app that's effectively came onto the App Store after to probably begrudgingly from the, <laughs> the iOS team, but um, even even there, they still haven't kind of cracked it. If people want to directly purchase usdc on there and then try and make a swap and they kind of get hit with the first time of you don't have enough eve to pay for this it's that is that that wouldn't stand up in a in a fintech app it that's, that's just too high by retainery too, too much friction um so things like that i think are going to really really help speed up um, adoption use cases and, and i wanted to touch base on that i think that um crypto audience and uh our industry overall um is amazing um amazing in a sense of how forgiving we are for mistakes and uh, all of these hurdles. Um, you've mentioned a very good point. If you go to a traditional uh, Web2 fintech app and um, you know something doesn't work, you just close and forget. Uh, that's it. You never come back to that service. Um, but in Web3, um, it's somehow native to expect that um, you know half of the time things do not work. Uh, you have issues with your wallet, you have issues with the RPC, and then you have issues with the DAP itself, and then the contracts can be buggy. And, uh, you know, this entire interaction um, is not perfect yet. And that's also something that we uh, thrive for. And as you said, right, so there's many things that need to be solved um, to get um, real adoption, where it's billions of people that we're talking about and not, uh, you know, uh, tens of thousands of people recycling, uh, you know, through, through the market. Um, for that, yeah. we need to make sure that DeFi is reliable, um, where when gas spikes, things continue to work, things do not break. Uh, when, you know, something goes down, um, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of services that are um, so deep into all of the Web3. Uh, for instance, uh, Infura. When Infura falls down, you know, half of the DeFi dApps fall down. 
and it doesn't mean that they are centralized. It just means that um, it's a complicated path from, you know, the, uh, the website, right? The application that you uh, sort of want to use to the wallet on your, um, you know, browser extension or mobile app to execute that transaction on chain. There's a lot of different steps. And um, as we go further in, as industry, um, they will be, there'll be more solutions. There'll be more reliable solutions. There'll be more optionality. And um, I'm also very much looking forward to um, make sure that as an industry, we can say that, okay, this is going to work 10 out of 10 times. Um, you don't need to worry about all those different mistakes, errors, issues. Um, it just works. And when we get to that point, that's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah, I was just about, I was just going to ask you there, you think it's just, I think forgiving is a, is a great word, but you've just used to, to kind of sum that up for the kind of DeFi and crypto native user. Um, do you think that's just a feature of where we are in such a young life cycle of an early kind of emerging um, DeFi industry? Um, and as I say, I'd, I'd love to see the day that it runs as smooth, smoothly as like your traditional kind of fintech apps and things like that. But in your opinion, it's just because we're not to use the meme of so early to the space, but um, <laughs> everything's just in its nascent stage at the minute. Um, I think it's it's the, a combination of factors. On one end, um, it, it's a young industry and it naturally attracts people that are more um, prone to risk. Um, so trying new things, experiment with things, and what it means is that people are more uh, open um, to understand that uh, something will not work. Um, you know, the, the meme, right, about, uh, you know, you can, you can forever stay in your alpha or beta and, uh, you know, just to sort of like have a, as an offset that your product doesn't really work fine. Um, <laughs> Like Solana. <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's this many different cases, right? So it's like a forever beta. And then, uh, yeah, so then nobody can really say things like, oh, why something doesn't work. But um, seriously saying this, I think it, overall our industry attracted um, people that are more willing to accept and take risks. And naturally, they're more, um, again, forgiving when it comes to issues or problems. Um, but two is, um, I'm not sure, maybe that's something to do with... Um, again, the legendary ethos and uh, thesis as to why and how and why are we even here? What do we do here? Um, ultimately, ultimately the, um, the idea is that, um, you know, new amazing things will be done, new amazing things will be created, and um, that, that attracts a certain group of people. But on the same, uh, on the same note, on the other side, it is early. Um, it, we are, we, in, the, in, the, in a span of a few years, um, we as an industry created a completely separate um, industry, which almost replicates the in you know not just one financial industry, but uh, you know multiple others, and we're spreading out. Um, so I think it just hasn't been enough time uh, for everyone and for everything to pick up. The growth has been tremendous. The amount of people coming in, the amount of money pouring in, um, all of that speeds up um, amount of mistakes that are being made. So more time more devs, um, you know, more users, um, more good actors in the space, and um, we'll get there. Yeah. So as um, from the from the outside looking in, I suppose what you guys have built looks more like a, a tech problem to solve. Um, but do, do you guys kind of see it as that? As a, is it a technical problem to solve with self-custody going direct to be able to pay for a coffee? Is it an infrastructure pr 
problem? Is it a mixture of both? Is it a marketing and kind of getting it in people's hands problem? Like how, how do you guys kind of kind of think about it? Um, I'd, I'd touch base on two points. Um, one is um, there's a joke um, and it's a, uh, it's a, a you know, developer <laughs> joke. Um, you, you see there's like 20 different standards of how people build things. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to build a new standard that will aggregate all of these standards. And then there's a 21st standard. And that's a, that's a good summary of um, how currently DeFi is built. Uh, there's some best practices, but then even if you look into a very specific niche like lending protocols, um, mm. every lending protocol is built differently. It has a different approach, a different structure, um, different, um, you know, even mentality as to how they approach, um, you know, this feature basically. And uh, that comes to everything. Every wallet is built differently. Every wallet approaches, um, you know, signatures differently, um, you know, wallet creation differently, uh, you know, money management differently. So it's it's hard because, um, and that's something that uh, is beautiful about Web3, it's composability. You can build on top of things um, without even asking the permission. If there's a protocol there, I can just use it and, and nobody can stop me from that. But at the same time, it slows down the integration and mass. What it means is that all of these integrations are manual. There's no way to um, do something and all, all the things are supported by default. Um, so that's the first um, problem. And you can say it is the infrastructural problem. Um, but uh, as history shows, again, over the time, um, the, market, um, the market plays for itself. So most used things remain and the others have to adapt because that's just how the, you know, the status quo um, is formed. So that's one end. And the second thing, um, for a lot of the people, self-custody uh, in crypto is a very, very new concept. So if you've never used crypto before, um, well, you don't even think about such thing as custody. Uh, I have my money in my bank account. Is it really my money? Um, do I control it? Who custodies it, right? So you don't even think about the term as a custodian of custody. Um, now, when crypto was just formed, right, initially Bitcoin or ETH, there wasn't really a, a crypto custodian thing. You had, to, you had to P2P every transaction. So those just, um, you know, very bare minimum infrastructure level. So you had to self-custody and you had to um, self-custody, you know, even your transfers and facilitate that. So that was, uh, that, that was the industry was formed uh, with. And then there's new market, uh, market entrants, there was new users. And that's how the convenience um, approach, right? It won. And that's where we saw the centralized exchanges coming in because they're just easier to understand. It sort of replicates the traditional finance model. But then, then we saw the risks of, um, of centralized um, uh, well, exchanges or not just exchanges, but any, any centralized market players. Um, and uh, for example, when in traditional finance, the government solved that with uh, insurance like banks. So your deposits in uh, banks, they're regulated, they have protection by the government. Um, you may not ask yourself where that protection money is coming from. Well, it's coming on from your own money, your own taxes, but that's a different <laughs> point of discussion. The point is, is that for a regular user, they know that if, if the bank goes south, you will get your money back. Um, in crypto, is yes, um, we try to self-regulate ourselves. And uh, for example, Binance has their own insurance fund. Uh, Coinbase has their own insurance fund, etc. But there's no regulation just yet that forces or somehow helps these players 
to safeguard users' money. Um, and with uh, the biggest example probably so far has been, you know, FTX, Celsius. Um, that, that's a good example is you did nothing wrong as a user, um, but the, the vulnerable player there was the service itself. So self-custody mm -hmm. narrative starts to appearing again, and, and, and it's new, it's harder. Um, there isn't a narrative that says, oh, it's too complicated for an average user. Um, and uh, all I can say to that is uh, so far, and it gets easier, it gets better. Um, I do believe in humanity with all the mistakes and errors that you know, we make and all the, all the things you see on your timeline that make you ask yourself, uh, you know, question yourself, do I still believe in humanity? Um, but I still do, and I believe that self-custody is a, is a good thing. And um, it, it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, it's something that we all need to do. Uh, maybe just one point on that. Um, when you were a kid, um, you remember those trading cards in whichever yeah, yeah. shape or form we had. Someone had baseball cards, someone had those like Pokemon chips, like many different things. Um, but then I think that what taught me this basic, uh, I'll say like economy 101. So you had, to, uh, you had to somehow protect those things. So not lose them, not forget them. Make sure that doesn't, you know, nobody steals your like, um, you know, trading cards. And then you were playing with that and then you were learning um, how the economy works uh, in a sense. Why is this card worth more than other cards? So how do you account for that? How do you predict what can be more popular? Um, I still remember it was like, um, like a Pokemon um, cartoons that were like, you know, popping up on the TV. And then right after the new episode was released, um, it was only later when I figured out that those like that TV show went on like, 10 years ago or 20 years ago and it was just streamed on you know like tv but we thought it was new <laughs> anyhow um so after that like tv episode uh some specific uh like pokemons they you know they would be worth more all of a sudden you would you would then start to understand like okay there's some market mechanics you know and then you would uh, somehow try to predict with a plot right with us you know with a story like what could be more popular, et cetera. Anyhow, um, self-custody is just like that. Um, different shape of money, different form, whether it's trading cards or your magic beans or you know, some, some internet stable coins. Um, it doesn't matter. It's just that form of value that you store and um, you can be and you need to be responsible for that. Um, and self-custody gives you that. And over time, it's just going to be as seamless and um, you know, as uh, forgiving as... Um, traditional um finance yeah that's an excellently put i think um and with certainly getting there and i think with stuff like like the, i was looking at some stats the other day with coinbase with over like 100 million verified users and like the user base of current on-chain DeFi users at, at present is like drastically lower so if we could onboard onboard one to two percent of Coinbase verified users, like the, the user base on chain goes kind of two, three X effectively. Um and obviously with the kind of build on base and everything that they've got going on with their L2 and things like that, I think it's just slow steps forward to towards that. I think I think it's really, really good. Um I think there's a lot of people tapping into kind of mobile first we're seeing kind of slana phone and things like that they've obviously got their own kind of infrastructure and things like that so we're definitely moving in the right direction and um i think once you kind of go down the rabbit hole and it, and it clicks there's not many people who then run the other way in my kind of um, first-hand opinion anyway 
if I may, if I may ask you, I'm, um, and I think it's, um, and I would, I would love to tell you my part. Uh, to be honest, I don't know the answer to this question, but what keeps you in in Web three? Um, what are the reasons? N- not the reasons that you tried and joined in, but why are you here now? Um, genuinely, I, I mean, I would, I would wonder uh, what keeps you in Web three, for example. I, I think, like primarily, I, I came in as a a student who didn't have two pennies to scratch together looking for any financial opportunity so I could make ends meet while I was finishing my master's. <laughs> and then again, once then you kind of read the Bitcoin white paper and like you get that kind of philosophical edge to it and then it begins to click. Um, and then from there on, once you start taking a bit more of a leap into it, I think it's, I think it's very intellectually stimulating. Um, I came from like a research background I was supposed to be dealing with <laughs> cancer research and now I'm trading magical internet beans for a living. That's a kind of another story. So it's, I think it's really intellectually stimulating. I think some of the smartest minds on the planet are working on this problem to try and fix it. Um, and then realizing that there's so many inefficiencies that need to be solved. And when people say inefficiencies in crypto, I think people think, oh, yeah, got highly liquid markets that just pump left, right, and center and dump left, right, and center. But I think when people realize that the inefficiencies are not just segregated to the markets, there's a million and one problems to solve that, and the list continues to grow every single day. So for someone who likes to try and turn the hands of something and try and build something out to kind of do it better, and I think that's what you guys are doing as well, there's a million and one things that I'd like to be doing in this space right now and if you ask me, what would you build if you were building anything in a traditional sense if crypto wasn't a thing, I could probably give you two answers. So it's the, the vast array of opportunity. Yeah, so it's, so it's I just think the, the risk reward for not working in this industry and not building in this industry and not being a part of this industry is so, so stupid if you aren't tackling it. Um, and obviously I, I work in this industry all day every day, so it's kind of kind of biased, but I wouldn't I couldn't look at any other industry on the planet at this point in time. Maybe a hint of AI, but we'll see how that that, that pans out. But um vast array of opportunity. And then it comes down to once you start working within the industry, you realize that everyone is ninety nine percent of people are complete diamonds. Like it's the most inclusive industry on the planet, in my opinion. Everyone just wants to help. So it's completely multifactored. Um, but kind of to summarize it, the amount of opportunity and the amount of kind of um, kind of intellectual curiosity just drives me towards the space um, more and more each day, I think. I would just correct one thing. Diamonds, but with paper hands. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> what about yourself? Do you know? Have you? I, I, I often do think about it. Um, and then I also think about like there'll be certain shit that happens and I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to leave this space all behind and then give it 25 minutes and then I'm back. <laughs> um, there, there are definitely some things in, in this industry that makes you question um, if, you know, what the hell am I doing here? Um, but uh, the, everything else, uh, every day, uh, I think to me, it is the, uh, the thought that, um, we do have real chance of uh, making a difference, of building something that can change people's lives to the better um, in, in any shape or form. And, um, you know, even a simple product, um, 
that you build, you know, even even the the casinos that people build, uh, you know, actual or metaphorical ones, um, that you know they they could be used um, for some good. And um, this this is probably something that keeps me in this industry. I I love building things, and uh, this industry um, with the skill set that I have and the knowledge that I have, um, it allows me to build new things, um, and uh, it gives me this feedback from the users that like what we're doing, they like the product, um, they get this benefit of using this product. And to me, this is probably this dopamine reward that, okay, we've built something in, in, a, in the out world that people like. Um, and that's probably something that keeps, um, you know, keeps you going and it's something that keeps you um, wanting to make it even better. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, I know it probably gets a little bit psychological or philosophical, but feels like it's it's very easy to find a sense of kind of meaning and purpose when you when you're building the space it doesn't feel like you're kind of a statistic in a re- really strange big big world huge community like sense of community in, in crypto and web3 and DeFi and everything like that as well so I think that helps an awful lot indeed indeed um, this is another joke um, but somehow every conversation about crypto you know you start you start talking about Hey, this is how uh, MEV works, or like, hey, this is like a, how account obstruction works. And then, if you go long enough, at the end of a conversation, there's always like philosophy uh, involved. It's like existential crisis questions, um, and this is also something really good um, because, I mean, it's deep, right? So it, it is very different uh, to everything that you've experienced. And I think one of the things that keep us all together is um, it is that part of um, or feeling of uh, a bigger part so that you are part of something bigger uh, because you know you have crypto friends and if you have non-crypto friends at some point of time you figure out that you just live in two different worlds um, we mm-hmm. have different memes we have different uh, jokes we have different idols and we have different uh, you know enemies and um, when you know uh, I, I touch base on like FTX for example um, it, how um, external world sees it, um, you know, SBF and FTX saga. I think it's very different to the emotions that, uh, you know, a crypto veteran person or the person that was at that time um, has. And I think, um, and I'm saying veteran, it was like a year ago. I think just yesterday, it was like a one year uh, anniversary from like Luna uh, crash. So it wasn't, it wasn't a while ago, but um, you guys, you know, listening to this right now uh, would agree that, uh, it does feel like it was ages ago. The amount of information that flows through us every single day is just incredible. The speed of uh, changes is is incredible, and so is the attention span. It's also like a you know it's super short, right? So I don't know, like a TikTok video is probably longer than the attention span of like crypto audience. But <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I, we were we were throwing ideas around for because we're running some Facebook ads for our newsletter at the minute to see if that actually works. I'm not optimistic at the minute. Um, but as you were saying, like memes work in this industry and translate really well. Um, but when I was showing my, uh, let me just show you something. I showed my girlfriend one that we were going to run. I was using her as a bit of a, a bit of a litmus test to see if it would, it would appeal to kind of normie friendly people who are on Facebook. So we uh, spun this up. So it's like 
this guy's getting a Texas therapist. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a little Pepe crying and then the therapist responds saying, is this about crypto again? He responds saying, yes. And she just responds saying, we can have a virtual session now. <laughs> and that was like the Facebook ad. And obviously that that hits like if you're working in the industry. And like I was showing, showing my girlfriend it and she was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> so so we've gone back to the drawing board on the ads that we're going to run on that one. But um <laughs> I think it's it's indeed that like uh, like a likeness test, right? Because um, I think even how the outer world sees Peppa, you know, um, some say that's like a leftist extremism that's that promotes like hate and whatever. And um, I've I've only met, and it's a subjective experience, right? But I've only met amazing people, and uh, when they mean with Peppa, they mean only the best, and uh, somehow you don't even associate this, uh, I don't know, a frog or not. It's just, uh, it's just an art or a visual representation of your feelings. And sometimes and one meme can express more in that one picture than you could say in, you know, in just like, I don't know, multiple sentences. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, it's, it's definitely, definitely weird. But uh, sometimes, sometimes that's the thing. Sometimes you'd want to share this meme with like your friends. And then if they are not in crypto, um, they will not get it. They will never get it. It's just impossible. <laughs> you will have to have a lecture on trying to tell the backstory of why this meme has been funny, right? Um, but, uh, but if you send it to your crypto friend, they'll get it immediately because somehow that's this ephemeral thing um, that bonds us all together. Um, and you understand the concept, uh, context and you understand uh, the current zeitgeist of what's happening. And that's why memes are funny. So um, I think probably um well who's that's i, I guess that's a you know it's a good thing um if uh, if we can ask maybe even the audience as well if uh, who they think is the best uh, shit poster or you know uh, a meme <laughs> account um because because yeah we definitely need some more uh, inspiration for you know for our corporate account as well yeah we can uh yeah so if anyone's listening on spotify or youtube you can drop them below or uh, when we post it on twitter we'll uh We'll make a call to action. I've got a few that I really, really like, um, but um, I'll, I'll, I can send you <laughs> send you them over. We we actually had a conversation with a guy earlier who we're going to try and employ as our chief meme of, meme, meme officer, um, <laughs> just because we're quite content heavy and we need some things to kind of fill the gaps. Yes. And this guy's just on fire. But um, like that real. would never, you'd, yeah, you'd never see McDonald's. Well, hopefully you'd never see McDonald's like looking for a chief ship poster or anything like that. But in this industry, I think it's kind of part and parcel of your marketing campaign? I think uh, I think you can run a corporate account uh, which only responds with memes and that would work uh, just fine. Um, it depends on your audience, but uh, I think yes. So that, that would even make more sense than just, uh, you know, general communication because it creates this personal touch. Um, I, I, think, I think we even tried this uh, when hiring uh, for a new person in the team. You ask them to send, um, can you send us the latest funny meme that you think? And that one meme that they send you, um, it'll, it's also a very good um, test to see, okay, you know, will you get along or not? Uh, because if you have the, you know, if you, if you have the same sense of humor, um, it can make your life so much easier when working together. So yeah, um, you know, memes that's are changing a, the world. That's a, genius, that's a genius way of doing that. We've got a few content writer roles currently listed on our we've got job site as well so we're gonna uh, i'm gonna make sure that's part of the screening questions to send us 
the funniest the funniest beam map they've got in their arsenal at the minute. <laughs> because if you think about this, it's not a simple one. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, I don't know what's my favorite meme out there because it really depends on the context. But then when they ask mm. you to send the latest funny one, then you start thinking and probably overthinking it. Okay. Can I send this? Is it appropriate? Is it not appropriate? Is it too much? Uh, is it funny? So then you try to think about the other person. What will they like? And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, mind games out there. So yeah, it's a, you know, try it, try it. Yeah, definitely good. Eh? Um, I just wanted to touch before we kind of wrap it up in about five ten minutes. I just want to, I want to touch on. Um, so I'm, I'm from the UK, and maybe. Eight to ten years ago, we kind of had the Monzo and Revolut revolution, if you want to kind of call it, come onto the scene with digital banking and things like that. I just want to know if there's because you're the aesthetic of Holyheld and the it's a really nice, clean, crisp UI, which often goes very overlooked in this space. I think is there any kind of traditional fintech apps that you guys like look to as for not for inspiration, obviously, because you, you, I think you guys can stand on your own two feet, but is there anything that you really like the look of currently? Have you kind of tried to steer it towards a more professional and cleaner look as opposed to some of the pathetic UIs that you see in this space? What's the kind of thinking around like the aesthetic of the, of the company? Uh, that's a, it's a, you know, thank you very much for that question. Um, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll start with um, my favorite UI in crypto is Perv. It's mm. uh, so, uh, especially earlier versions, it's so autistic that it somehow <laughs> finds the product market fit right away because if you, know, if you don't get it, you will never use it. And, and yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that wasn't the right time or the right fit for you. Uh, only the people that are autistic enough to you know, go through that interface would you know, interact with the protocol. Um, but the, in order to serve um, the market, and, and the audience, I, we and everyone on the planet, everyone on the planet is always looking for the simpler approach. You can get used to complicated uh, UIs, but the simpler it is, the easier it is for, for the consumer. Um, mm -hmm. The problem for us is that we have to find the balance between a very simple uh, interface and, and all of this non-custodial Web3 approach. Um, and at some, I, I think that the you can fairly say that nothing exists um, that would be uh, as, a, as a golden standard in the industry. Mm -hmm. So this is the non-custodial Web3. And at the same time, this is the best interface that, you know, or majority of people would agree on. Um, and as power users ourselves of both Web3 and Web2, of course, there's a lot of, um, a lot of great products, a lot of amazing interfaces that we, that we saw. And, um, I guess it's just the combination of factors. So something that works very well, um, something that you want to try, something that would uh, come from the personal experience, something that would come from the feedback um, uh, of the users, and uh, all of that together then creates um, creates this. I would say the the final result. Um, so that's that. If you ask me about my my favorite um, interface from Web two, um, I think I think that. Um, it would be it would actually be um, somewhere in between uh, what's all called you know social money apps um, so anything from you know Venmo Cash App um, there's you know 
there's quite a few of them, but I think those are the apps that uh, really made the next step forward, um, which is not really the banking banking itself, but that social banking aspect. And if you think mm. crypto is, it is social. Um, you do transfer, you do interact. Uh, every transaction you make is somehow, it involves money, right? And, and yeah, that's, that's um, I guess, that's, um, in order to achieve that level of simplicity, where you know you one click everything um you know we in, in the industry um are still yet to come to that level of um, um you know of really really good ui yeah it's that's that's a really good point because um i lived i lived in thailand for a while um and a lot of thai people will use like wechat and wechat can literally do absolutely everything within within the app if you want to order food if you want to send people money if you want to chat to your friends if you want to kind of have this kind of complete immersion of like a social experience with absolutely everything inside this kind of super app um that kind of flipped my whole view on how these kind of things can operate um first time seeing that and i think it's really really interesting is there a is there like additional angles for you guys to go down that more kind of like super app if that's what you want to kind of call it or are you guys just going to kind of stick stay in that lane or, or is there any kind of features like you kind of thinking about that are on the horizon obviously as much or as little detail you want to, want to get into or anything like that but i'd um, love to pick your brain on that so um uh, yeah you 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 raised a great point super apps that's indeed something that became very popular um in the recent years especially when COVID came in and um you know nothing to do with crypto but overall um, so larger companies started to aggregate their services together. Uh, so instead of having five different apps, it would be like one super app. Um, but um, put it this way, I think that um, my approach to doing things is um, do one thing really, really well, and then, and then go to another one. Um, so I think that we will try to keep the balance of um, so shipping new things and trying and offering new things with uh, the quality, so trying to be um, on, on a level that we believe that is good, and then you know, go and offer to new things. But um, there's a lot to look forward to. There's new networks, um, there's new uh, composable features, um, cash out now, pay later, um, and um, you know, paying through the tag via you know, public pages and uh, corporate accounts. So a lot of, a lot of this different things, but um, I think that all of them can be summarized uh, under one goal and idea. Um, our mission is to make sure that um, you can have access to full traditional finance from your Web3 um, infrastructure, whether that's a DAP or a wallet or our interface, whatever it is. But our goal is to make sure that we offer as much functionality of DeFi in the traditional world as possible. That's the goal. Yeah, I love that because you can, you can get real crazy with it depending on your kind of um, how comfortable you are in the space. Like looking at things like uh, I know there's a few protocols now where you can mint their stablecoin against like uh, Stake Thief or I know Tapioca DAO are going to have a variety of um, like native L1 assets like ETH, Stake Thief, Rockabilly ETH, and things like that. Borrow their stablecoin against it, and then if you want to take that off into sure there'll be might be a time in the future where you could use that in holy hell so you kind of got this self-perpetuating um interest bearing stable coin that you're using to pay for stuff i just think that's like so so cool and that's that's why we bet on composability um one team cannot build the all the best things in the world um it's always different teams different people that come up with uh, somehow best solutions 
And um, our goal is to be able to support um, those things rather than trying to build and replicate them ourselves. Um, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's what I love about crypto, right? It's the composability. You can build things on top of each other and uh, things can work with each other because the friction that we have in this industry um, from, you know, working one team with another team, it's minimal. I've never seen this before uh, anywhere else. Mm. Um, it's how easy it is. So, you know, people come together like, hey, let's do this shit. All right, let's do this shit. And then you just do it. And, it, and then, you know, it just works. And that's... Um, so yeah, so we um, we do want to support um, we do want to support what people want to use, and um, you know other people build uh, all these amazing primitives that these people use. So uh, that's a very slurpy kind of thought, but I hope hopefully you guys um, got what I was um, trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? Is there anything they, you want them to kind of focus their attention on that might be coming up or where can they find you just to kind of wrap it up and then, um, yeah, we can kind of tie it all apart. Oh, no, sure. Thank you very much. So um, as always, it's holyhealth.com um, or our Twitter, um, again, holyhealth. So those are the two um, official channels um, and you can find all information out there. And, um, and yeah, if you... Um, Right now, we're available in Europe. So if, you are, um, if you're based out of Europe, if you're a European, um, come and join us uh, and give us a try. And uh, this is probably where, you know, if, 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 if this would have been like a meme, I, I imagine, um, you know, some guy holding the picture that you kind of Photoshop exactly and precisely just to kind of like hold the future word there. That's sort of like holding up the future and inviting you to the future. And that, imagine that meme and that that's the meme that, you know, you guys... Um, should have in your head right now. So yes, come give us a try if you believe in what we're doing and um, if uh, if you're looking for that kind of solution. And uh, thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate this. Yeah, anytime, anytime. If you've got any kind of product updates that you want kind of kind of cast a wider audience, um, just let me know. Always happy to have Absolutely. people who are building cool shit on. And uh, but yeah, best of luck with everything that you got coming out. And um, as I said, shoot us a message. Thank you very much. Thank you.